Well, hey there. Welcome to another episode of Say Something Interesting, the follow-up podcast from East Lake Tri-Cities. My name is Brent. With me today, as always, is my friend Megan. Hello. I had a little week off last week. Thanks for covering for You're me. Welcome. You girls did a great job. Thank you. I listened to it uh, on my uh, drive home, <laughs> on my long drive home, uh-huh. and uh, it was great. It was good. super good. good. So we're back in the saddle, back in the semi-normalcy. Yeah. We have done three weeks now of people, some some bodies in church on, on a Sunday, mm-hmm. and uh, it's been it's been fun. It people has been fun, are, yeah. Are are laughing? They're responding. They're <laughs> here. They're present. They're showing up late. Just like uh, it's just like old times yeah, a little just bit. Like just old times. a whole lot less of people, <laughs> and no, and kids are in the room. So uh, yeah, which adds a whole new dynamic. Oh man, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's so great. How are you? How was your week? It was pretty good. Just yeah? like I don't know, kind of hitting the grind of being a first year teacher. So yeah. Just you know, in in the Pascal school school district, which still has not declared kind of what going on in terms no, of reopening stuff or hybrid it's learning or anything be, like that. I think it's going to be at least November before anything happens. That's crazy. Yeah. That's so crazy. Uh, That's my own personal opinion. I have no basis. You're my insight into the network. So I don't know. So um, so everybody from Pasco is moving to Kennewick so that their <laughs> kids can go to school. <laughs> Uh, it's been, um, yeah, it's been an interesting ride, for, yeah. let's, we'll say, for our kids on, on this whole deal. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, yeah, it's good. It's been, in, it has been interesting. Um, yeah, the, I have a pretty low turn in rate for assignments <laughs> and by pretty low, I mean like what would you say? worryingly low, like 50% is probably my oh, turn in rate Oh, that's actually assignments. higher than I thought you would say. Oh, see, but that's real. That's really low. Yeah. For like school. Well, you know. Stuff. Um, so yeah, we're, I'm, you know, doing some lecturing, trying to convince them to actually work on it. And I'm going to change some things about what I do during my like Zoom time with them. And man, it's a whole thing. Crazy. Yeah. Already have like the mountain of grading that I have is like seemingly insurmountable. So yeah. We're figuring it out. Crazy times. Uh-huh. We also had our worship night on Sunday, yes. the one that we were supposed to do a couple of weeks ago, and uh, and push forward because of I some think weather wise though it was perfect. It was we could not have yeah. asked for a better option. Yeah, uh, it was like seventies and like sunny and beautiful. Yeah, it went so well. It was like amazing. Yeah, it went. Here's the honest truth. It went so well. <laughs> As a staff, we said we we're not going to do it yeah, again. We can't do this no, again because. <laughs> I don't want the bar to be so high that what are they going to do? Like, mm-hmm. how do they beat this? They'd have to like, you know, bring in a speaker or something, you know, I don't know, do something different. But I was thinking, I didn't say this, but I was also thinking it's probably the most like publicly religious thing we've ever done By as a far. church. Oh yeah. For and sure. I was like, wow, I don't like, it felt like weird for a minute to be Singing worship songs in a parking in lot. the parking lot while people are driving and getting their blizzards yep. across the street and, the and like everybody lot. can hear like it was loud yeah. everybody could hear it was so loud yeah. um, Sam and Becky showed up uh, after well Becky was there for the whole thing but Sam showed up after his project because he was working on something in his yard and he said he got done with his excavator and could hear the music <laughs> and was singing along to the music from. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Roberto Street, which yeah. is probably like two miles away at least. <laughs> so we didn't get the cops called on us, That's which is good. great. And I, I thought that 
a couple times. I was like, are we breaking sound ordinance right no, now? No, because it doesn't start till 10. <laughs> there you um, go. And so then it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, but it was a, the whole setup, the whole feel it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, the outdoors, the, it, the, the lighting was perfect mm-hmm. in terms of it. It started off, it was a little bit light out and then it got dark as you went along. And then before you knew it, when you're going home, it's like that perfect concert. Oh, it's dark out. And mm-hmm. now it's starting to get a little chilly. Yeah. And afterwards we had a little, uh, uh, McDonald's drive-through a party <laughs> out on the picnic tables, and you missed it. You left, but I, yeah, I mean, I had school the next day. Yeah, and yeah, a I couple was like, of I us consumed more hamburgers from McDonald's than I've consumed since. <laughs> I don't know. It's been a while. They used to do like bags of burgers. Do you remember that as a kid? No, I, I'm older than you a little bit, but you're not that much older than me. I know, but they. Used I to feel do, like I kind of remember that, yeah. but I don't know that I ever like I'm participated sure what the, in what one. the numbers were, but it was like super cheap, and you'd get like ten burgers mm-hmm. for five bucks. I want to say that's 50, really 50 cheap. It's a burger, but you gotta like, yeah, you know, you gotta buy ten of them. Uh-huh. But like every uh, <laughs> every big family in the church, <laughs> when you'd go, I'd go over uh-huh. to like Ryan Snyder's house, uh-huh. and Rick would always go through that. It was the cheapest way to feed a bunch of kids. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. So anyways. yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Good stuff. It was a fun worship night. Mm-hmm. Really, really great to see a lot of uh, faces that we haven't seen in a mm-hmm. while. Uh, we made a big announcement there yeah. that um, as we are continuing to do these up to 50 people on Sundays, we're going to start incorporating worship again mm-hmm. on a Sunday, um, which is exciting. So if you're listening to this and are interested in being a part of on the RSVP list, which I know it feels super stupid to like RSVP for church, um, but like we're just trying to play by the rules. And so um, let us know. Yeah. Email us at uh, info at eastlaketroycities.com and yep. we'll get you on the uh, the list and, and like the bouncer outside will like let you open <laughs> the velvet rope and on a Sunday morning you'll get to come and... Yeah, it's not that. It's not. It's, it's not, not that. that. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that intense. Yeah, whatever. Um, but it's good. Uh, there definitely were. I was like not in the worship section. I was like standing by the building, and because I was the bathroom monitor, that was my job. Um, and there definitely were people who like drove by or walked by, and you could tell they were like, "What is happening? What is this?" Oh, we had live music. So many people <laughs> drive slow. Yeah, on, during setup, like. There's a stage. What is going on here? Like, <laughs> does the Herald know about this? <laughs> yes, Karen. We actually had to fill out tons of paperwork. I know for this. the amount of paperwork you had yeah. to go through. Yeah. The other reason we're not doing another one. That is part of the reason. <laughs> yes, definitely part of it. But it was fun. It was good times. Um, that really was like the uh, consumption of my weekend in terms of we didn't we did nothing else. I went home Sunday night, thought I would catch up on football that I missed from being here for setup at two or three or whatever, and until then, and I promptly fell asleep. Yeah, about ten minutes in. So. Sounds good. Yeah, and then <laughs> peeled myself off my couch at God knows what time, <laughs> lumbered my way back to my bed and went to bed. So that sounds about right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It was great. Yeah. Really, really great. Um. Good. Well, we uh, also finished off a series on Sunday. We did. Called God and Gold, a series on empire, and talked about communion and when we would usually, you know, under normal circumstances, receive communion. And um, maybe you were able to listen to that at home or watch it from home and do it yourself, which is great. Um, But uh, talked about the Passover meal. And have you ever done like a a Passover sort of ritualistic dinner thing? Uh -uh. Okay. Um, We've done one like a Seder dinner thing with mm-hmm. uh, the McDowell's before McDowell's and Stickles at their house. 
and had a lamb and we, we put it on the Traeger. So it's probably not the same as the uh, open campfire. It was really good though. <laughs> I bet it was really, really good. good. And like the unleavened bread, which is like good, really good. But you know, you're also like, I can see why we t- typically leaven bread. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah. Uh, you dip it enough pesto, you can eat just about anything. Because that was like traditional food. A lot of pesto in Egypt. A lot of it. Uh, um, yeah. Fun fact. Little known fact. Uh, that's um, funny. Yeah. yeah. And we did the whole uh, likening the Passover and the lamb and the symbol of mm-hmm. revolution and how ironic a lamb is for symbol of re- revolution. Mm-hmm. We're typical, you know, we're, we're used to, um, you know, uh, for pirates, it was a death skull, right? Uh, or a skull with the crossbones or whatever. Um, for Black Lives Matter, it's this raised fist. Mm-hmm. For American Revolution, it was this flag mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. And then we're like, here's a dead lamb. <laughs> Let's <laughs> let's be revolutionary in this. Uh, yeah. It was, but the I- irony of <laughs> of that is is key mm-hmm. on that. So I know. I mean, if you like, not to take away from the funny moment of that, but it's also God preparing His people for the like ultimate Lamb, right? So yeah, your salvation isn't going to come how you think it's going to come, right? You know, it's but it's so different. It, yes, but that takes into uh, to a fact that um the the lamb piece is associated to Jesus. So like, it wasn't like a lamb was going to be it the whole time. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause so there's like appropriation, which yeah. there's always appropriation mm-hmm. in the new Testament. I mentioned that um, even last week about how um, this idea of a Messiah or some of the phrases in Isaiah that the new Testament authors would take and apply to Jesus yep. aren't exactly the right context that Isaiah was talking about or Jeremiah was talking about. Um, so like this cultural appropriation from, from there is in play a lot. Um, and it's not to say that Jesus wasn't for, you know, forecasted or, or foreseen or whatever. And there obviously something was, and this is, this was their way of painting it as mm-hmm. him. So yeah. that's kind of a big Which deal. Which is kind of the idea behind the children's book, um, the Jesus storybook Bible is the idea that like the old Testament speaks to the coming whispers. of Christ. Every whispers, story whispers. Every story his whispers his name. Yeah, which right? is a great analogy, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It's like you have to listen for it. You have yeah. to really kind of focus on it. You, mm-hmm. If there's too much noise, you're not going to hear it. Yeah. Um, if you're so focused on, you know, was there an actual whale? Did Jonah actually go into a belly? How does, how does, that, how does that work? You're mm-hmm. missing the fact of like this idea of a death and and lost hope and then redirection and purpose and hope and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. So th- yeah, that idea of like Jesus is, can be within those stories. God is like preparing his people and then us reading them for something unique, something different, your salvation coming in a way that you won't expect. And, um, and maybe not in the most like powerful way ever. Right. A lot yeah. of times his hero is kind of an anti-hero. And so, um, just like that over and over and over again gets you ready for Jesus to come and be sacrificial and as our salvation instead of this like strong warrior, strong hero. Yep. I really like the firstborn piece too because um, that is kind of a holdover from an ancient society. I mean, I know that like a lot of times firstborns are the executors of an estate or, you know, maybe it's the, the child that, I don't know, is the, is the prior, you know, but it's not the same as it was. It used mm-hmm. to be that 
person, typically the first male firstborn, um, ran the show for all the rest of the brothers, which is why you see the whole, um, the discrepancy of it in the story of Joseph of being, this is the, the, one of the youngest brothers, uh, you know, the 11th brother to yeah, be like the he, youngest brother. Yeah. He's, this uh, is, this is Joseph in the amazing Technicolor dream coat, by the way, not other Josephs in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, That's how I always refer to him in my brain. <laughs> the technical dream cut one. Yeah. <laughs> um, the fact that the reason that they're so like, no, he's not the one. He's not even, you know, um, worth talking about or, or we'll be so angry at him is because it, if it wasn't number one, then it should have been number two. Right. Mm-hmm. And to go to skip all the way to 11 or whatever. And, and even uh, David's brothers and, and they're just like, do we don't even need to bring David in to see mm-hmm. if Samuel's the one that's going to anoint him as the next King. Like <laughs> he's, he's the runt man, yeah. you know, yeah. he doesn't belong in here. So I, I say all that because to associate the firstborn with getting the work done of the father so that the father can do like the bigger fan, like the vision casting for the family. This is the person who does the work. And then for Paul to associate the firstborn of all creation with Jesus, he's trying to incorporate that as a mindset and explain who Jesus is and was and what his life means for all of us. I think that gets lost mm-hmm. a lot of times in our translations. Of for it. sure. Yeah. And also like the, like the importance of him being a sacrifice. Cause you wouldn't yeah. sacrifice the firstborn. No, right. You know, in those yeah. instances and the times in the old Testament, when people were asked to sacrifice their firstborn, it was stopped. Yeah. Like it was. And so the fact that Jesus, it wasn't stopped. He did sacrifice like God sacrificed the firstborn. Like it is really powerful for like a Jewish audience to hear that. And so that's part of like understanding the Bible and understanding the context of the Bible is you can lose some of the power of their analogies and their imagery when you don't understand that culture in that time. So, yeah. Yep. And the whole, uh, big piece takeaway for us is there's expressions of empire throughout the old Testament and our advent and our exodus from it. And then our entrapment of it. Once again, a new exodus from it into a new, sort of existence of a new humanity through what Jesus is inviting us to. And that was the point of all of it leading us to say, you know, we find ourselves in empire. Mm -hmm. Um, So we need to be aware of that. We need to see how that shapes us. What kind of things do we pick up naturally just being around it? How do we exonerate ourselves from those, that type of activity and how do we live in a, in a, a shared humanity through this new creation that Christ yeah, brings. So, definitely. uh, it was a fun series. I yeah. liked it a lot. It was a little bit historical. So we're going to go away from that. <laughs> we're going to start a new series on Sunday. Um, this is exciting. This is, like I don't even know it breaking is. news. Yeah. Breaking well, news. it's only, uh, you haven't heard about it cause I came up with it about an hour ago, two hours ago. <laughs> so, um, no, it's uh, we're gonna call it uh, through the looking glass Ooh. because I read that. Uh, yeah, you did that for the first for, in part one mm-hmm. of this series. I read through some of that, and I was just really inspired again by Lewis Carroll's writing and how that um, the Alice in Wonderland movie came out of this very adult themed book, mm-hmm. and how it really was celebrating wonder. And so, I think you're gonna really like this series, okay? Because you're a science teacher, sure am, and science ironically, has always, I think, done a better job at encapsulating wonder yes. than history does. Yes, I because would say yes. Because in history, and I'm going to develop this a little bit further on Think on Sunday because I think this is interesting. <laughs> I like history, but uh-huh. the the maximum amount of, amount of wonder that you can really draw from history is 
why did it happen like this and not some other way, mm-hmm. right? So alternate universe sort of, I wonder what it would be like if, you know, Napoleon had never lost or Nazi Germany had never invaded Russia or something like that, right? Um, and so there is a little bit of wonder there, but it's limited to, most of it is just fact-checking and trying to discern motivations. Science for itself is typically, here's why this, if you do A, A, B, and C, you can expect D, right? Except that until we you have, can't. until you can't, until there's like quantum physics, until there's black holes, until there's so much about certain things of why do they do that? And for as much credit as we give science for explaining our universe, most, a lot of the time, mm-hmm. It explains it to a point, and then we're left to be like, well, we don't actually know why the migratory patterns of these birds are this way. Yep. We know that they do it. We mm-hmm. can prove that they do it. What is it about it? Is it in their DNA? Is it in their, you know, what is it? Mm-hmm. And and we just sit there and go, well, and, and we leave it to, we'll probably figure it out someday. Or, you know, who knows if we ever do figure this yeah. thing out. So, yeah. Um, I'm excited for yeah. a little bit of, uh, it's going to be a series on wonder called through the looking glass. It really is going to have nothing to do with like Alice in Wonderland. So you don't need to read the book to come uh, <laughs> with that. But I just felt like we've been so inundated with history. Yeah. But let's, let's sidestep a little bit and go in a different direction. That's cool. So I, I love wonder. I try and instill that in my students. It's like my number one priority as a science teacher Yeah, is to get you excited about wondering things. So cool. I had one more thought about the, um, God and gold. Cause you were talking about empire is not forever. That I don't remember what your line was now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, empire cannot, will, cannot not last. will not last. Um, I just thought that was like a really hopeful piece of, cause sometimes empire empire can feel really oppressive and like overwhelming. And so as a Christian, when you are living within empire, like you can really hold on to that piece of that. This isn't forever. This I mean, this may last my lifetime, but it's not forever. And so like we can see a way out of that and a way out of those um, ideas and those practices that are really harmful to ourselves and to the people around us. So. Yeah. It can be hopeful for people who are uh, don't benefit from current empire. Yeah. It can be very, very scary, fearful for those who <laughs> are benefiting currently from it, right? And a lot of political science books right now are about the rise and fall of it because it feels like America's in this unique, you know, we've had a good, we've had a pretty good run. We haven't lost a world <laughs> war ever, right? I mean, you know what I mean? Like this is, uh, uh, we're doing pretty well. And this is when you would think, uh, well, no empire lasts forever. And that just history proves that. And so then all the fear mongering of, well, if you elect so-and-so or if this happens or whatever, this is why you should vote in the same way or think the same way that I should. Cause mm-hmm. if you don't, you know, we're just, it's a harbinger of what's to come with America and the downfall of the empire. Um, so, uh, all that to say, um, I, you know, take that for what it's worth on that side of things. Yeah. Um, it's, I'm not, you know, it's not a political message for me. It's just a matter of realizing, um, like everything, everything falls apart at some point. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. But I mean like the hope as a Christian is God doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. And right. so like, yes, this is going to fall apart, but you're like, as a Christian, you can stand firm in that faith and you're in God and what he has in store for this world. And so, yeah, like, you know, I don't know. It's kind of like a, Morbid hope, I guess. Is that a thing? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, I can't yeah, be. this you want is going to gonna fall apart. <laughs> this could fall apart. This might fall apart. But there's still hope for me in, like, my belief in God and my faith and, like, my st- my standing with who's actually in control. Mm-hmm. And it's not this empire that is seemingly running the world right now. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's good stuff. I like it. It was a fun series. I enjoyed it a lot. And uh, anything else from your end of things? That was it. Okay, great. Let's jump into our something interesting because yeah. I'm super excited about you this. Are s- I'm like, stoked. I couldn't wait to get here. Yeah. <laughs> you want to go first? Sure, because okay. you opened. So I go to go yeah. first, right? That's yeah. good. That's really good. We'll leave it on a high yeah, note. Yeah, that's then. good. Because yeah. mine, I'm not super confident about it. <laughs> um. <laughs> so what she's saying is if you have a fast forward 30 second button, you could probably hit it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I. I don't know. I was like looking around for different podcasts. And so I was looking at Hidden Brain and listened to one of their replays about laughter. And I thought it was really interesting because they were talking about the use of, I mean, a lot of it was interesting, but they were talking about the use of laugh tracks in like sitcoms and all of that. Yeah. And one of the, like the main reason they end up using them is because laughter is ultimately a social behavior it actually has very little to do with what you think is funny or not. And so most of the time we laugh as a like social normalizer and like a social activity. And so what they found is on like radio shows and TV shows, when they didn't have a laugh track, it was that people weren't laughing, didn't think it was as funny because they didn't have that social cue of laughter. And having a live studio audience isn't like, you can't control that as easily about like where... You want people to be like, this is something funny that you laugh at. So that's why they started using laugh tracks. And they said in the show, this is the other interesting thing. They said that Friends, which filmed in front of a live studio audience, would do a full rehearsal beforehand. And then they would rewrite like, and then watch where the audience was laughing. And then they would rewrite lines and things to maximize those laughs at that time for when they recorded for the show. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's cool. That is awesome. So, I, I we watched a show the other night on a based on a recommendation from my brother in law um, called the IT Guys. I think is what it's called. Okay, and it has a laugh track, and I hadn't watched a show with a laugh track in a while, and I was like, oh, this is so cheesy. I mean, <laughs> the show ended up being decently good. I we enjoyed it, but like the laugh track piece of it, we're like, oh, this is why we don't do these anymore, right? Um, but I do, I also think like the film in front of a live studio audience thing is an outdated thing Yeah, and how incredible of an experience that would have been being there, watching that actually being filmed would have been crazy. Mm-hmm. And the takes and the, you know, all that stuff, it's just, it's fascinating to me how they you know, kind of thought through that and did some of that. And I'm really not a laugh tracks kind of guy. I think it's always like, did <laughs> Lennon watches Disney channel shows and they're all laugh tracks. Mm-hmm. And I'm like. God, these jokes are not funny. Don't that that they don't deserve that much laughter. Like you can do something quick if you really want to fill the void. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like watching these football games with the with the uh, piped in noise. Yeah, and it's like a four yard run, and the crowd goes nuts. Like they just won the Super Bowl, and you're like that. You whoever's running this is not doing this very well. You you have one job, and you're doing it terribly. Um, you know the jokes that they would. You know if you could time it better and be like that deserves a a nine laugh mm-hmm. track, and that deserves a two, right? Mm-hmm. And they just yeah. don't seem to be good at that. All right. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay, are you ready for mine? Yeah. Okay, there's a uh, documentary called The Inventor. Okay. It's on HBO, um, and it's about uh, a woman named Elizabeth Holmes who ran a company. She was a Stanford dropout who started a uh, blood work company called Theranos in the Northern California I think California I remember area. hearing about this. Okay, yeah, for sure, mm-hmm. because she was piped. 
uh, she became like one of the wealthiest female business owners in the world. And she was on the Forbes list and, and made a huge name for herself. And the idea behind the company was, um, what if we could do blood work with just a drop of blood instead of several vials? And people are scared to get their blood drawn because it takes so like, you know, you don't like needles, you don't like all the stuff. And so we're going to do it with this. We're going to make it super easy and we'll be able to predict or tell you early on um, what kind of illnesses you're susceptible to and or currently have based on this one drop of blood and how that could revolutionize science and, and protect some things. Anyways, it's a great idea. She's really, really smart. She got a bunch of people on board with her, her um, development. On her board of directors are people like Henry Kissinger, um, local legend Jim Mattis, um, and some others um, who are all just like, if, if you heard the names, you'd be like, oh my gosh, big money, lots of influence, all that kind of thing. Um, and she ran a company and was super successful in raising six or seven billion dollars uh, for, in terms of a net worth, that was her venture capital and what they thought her company uh, would be worth. And she de she was developing what was called an Edison box, which was a small thing, probably the size of a large toaster. It would go in every Walgreens in the country. You could take a drop of blood, put it in the Edison box, and it would produce the numbers things for you. Right. Um, uh, so as it turns out they kind of over-promised and weren't able to actually back the data up with it, but they wanted to keep this ruse up. And part of it is having this vision for something that you genuinely want to change the world mm -hmm. and make it. And then all of a sudden people started asking questions like, well, how does it work? Well, we can't tell you it's proprietary information. Yeah. Well, okay. And so what they were doing was taking stuff and sending it back to a lab doing it on other testing equipment and then sending it. So it wasn't like actually doing what it was said to be doing, yeah. but you know, it was this idea of sell something. And if it takes, we'll have the R and D catch up to our promised release yeah. dates and we'll make this thing work. And I'm sure that happens with movies and everything mm -hmm. else. Right. Too. So it's not just this. I mean, except I feel it, like Tesla does that a lot. Yeah. Tesla. Right. So. <laughs> but this just gets, this just got out of control. It wasn't doing anything. And she's keeping this like facade things going and then everything comes crashing down and as it inevitably does. Yeah. And now she is, um, facing, uh, wire fraud and, and jail time and, and, and all, all these things. And so one of, uh, it's an interesting story for sure, but there was a, a behavioral psychologist who came on called, his name is Dan O'Reilly. And he talks about how, when we watch this, we look at it and say, how could somebody do something so really horrible? Because, the deception got like people called her on it and, sh and uh, the New Yorker did a story about expose story about it in the Wall Street Journal. And instead of like being like, you're right, we got to do better. It was doubling down on the mistakes mm -hmm. and really uh, operating at a high level of deception. And so then the question becomes, how does somebody who like, why not just own it and why? make why how could how could somebody get to that spot where mm -hmm. this is okay for them mm -hmm. all right so what he what dan o'reilly says is we did a social experiment with people we took a dice we took people into a room and we said we will give you whatever number comes up on this dice in terms of dollars either one to six dollars is this experiment right mm -hmm. uh, but before we roll the dice i want you to think if you want the top or the bottom of the dice and you have to tell me right now think about it and make a decision in your brain which you're going to take, the one or the six, the three or the four, the five or the two, right? Mm -hmm. And then they roll the dice to see which number comes up. And he said, it was amazing how um, lucky people were when it came to the <laughs> one and six numbers compared to the three and four, <laughs> right? Yeah. 
And oh, I picked bot- the bottom. Yeah. Oh, how lucky for me. I picked the bottom, right? I get $6 instead of one. Obviously, mm-hmm. it was hyperbalanced in that way. Mm-hmm. And he said, so then what we would do is we would apply a lie detector machine to these people. They knew they were being detected. And obviously, the numbers drop, but it's still super um, lucky to get a six mm-hmm. versus a one in mm-hmm. this way. And the lie detector would be able to tell that they're lying because when we lie for our own personal benefit, we get anxiety over it and we think we're going to get caught. And so mm-hmm. our, our blood pressure rises and all the things that trigger a lie detector test. Mm-hmm. He said, but when you introduce the idea of charity, mm-hmm. when you say this money's not going to you, we're going to give this to a homeless center mm-hmm. or we're going to give this to help feed whatever kids that need, need food. And all of a sudden the money that's raised goes to something other than yourself. What happens is the lie numbers go back up and it, it's not reflected in the lie detector test mm-hmm. because we don't feel any guilt about it. Yeah. Because our behavior, our internal mechanisms are not triggering this idea of we're lying for our own personal benefit. Mm-hmm. So he says, how do you, of course, did she make a lot of money? Did she do well off of, you know, making this company for sure? She had private jets and a ton of money and, and lost it all, right? But the reason that she got to this point is she genuinely probably convinced herself, I'm doing this for the good of humanity. Mm-hmm. This is going to revolutionize the medicine industry and help a lot of people. Yeah. So I need to keep this ruse up. I need to keep lying in this way um, because uh, uh, this is this is going to help. And so therefore, it triggers that. It was just, it was so fascinating. One, the social experiment was great. That was probably the best part of the whole documentary, mm-hmm. but the whole thing was brilliant. So highly recommend nice. uh, The Inventor. And um, Dan O'Reilly writes a couple of uh, behavioral books. Predictably Irrational is one that I've read for him. It was fantastic. Um, I like that kind of writing and, and thinking. So um, check that out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my kids are here. Yeah, uh, and they just turned on the bouncy And they just house. turned on the bouncy house. So if you hear like a really loud, <laughs> sounds like a jet fan, that's, then it goes off, right? When I, they probably just remember that we were recording. So. Yeah. All right, that'll do it for today's uh, yeah. episode of Say Something Interesting. Uh, kicking off the brand new series called uh, Through the Looking Glass, the nice. series, the series on Wonder, week one on Sunday, 10 o'clock um, online, eastlaketristities.com. See you um, there. Or via our app. Make yeah. sure to download that. Emoji Charades Part Two. That's right. We did Emoji Charades <laughs> on Sunday. Oh my gosh, you guys. If you uh, missed it, that is worth logging in. For its own thing, because I'm sure it's it still a part really of it. Fabulous. So Megan and Kylie sit on a couch, and we <laughs> feed in emoji symbols that define the plot lines of TV shows or and or movies. It was titles. It was like movie titles. titles movie too. titles. Right. Some of them were plot lines, but most of them were just like oh, titles. Got it. Got it. Got it. So the first couple are easy. Uh, Your and- wife went bonkers. She does. She gets all nervous. She gets all red faced. And I walked in. At one point, because I missed the early parts. Apparently, the early ones were easy. <laughs> yes, and she was just like shouting them. Yeah, and people in the chat were like, "Could you give us a chance?" Yeah, and- yeah, because she can't wait. <laughs> yeah, the one that I walked in on the very first one I heard was a guy emoji, two eyeballs, a girl emoji, and then fast forward to guy uh, love emoji, something like this. Some movie I'd never even heard of. Even yeah. when they told me the title, I hadn't heard of it. Yeah. But there was a peach involved in it. Yeah. And Kylie was like, James and the Giant Peach. <laughs> and I was like, peach does not mean peach. <laughs> and she was like, She's like, yes, it does. No, it's farmer. It's, it's something with a farmer. And I was like, Kylie, Peach does not mean peach. She's the most innocent (laughs) texter ever. So I cannot wait for this next round uh, as well. Because we're going to be doing um, 90s and 2000s pop songs. 
um, via emoji. Yeah. So log in at 9.45, take a gander <laughs> at that, laugh at my wife, with my wife, whatever you want to do. It's all fun and games. And then later she was like, the wedding pl- she guessed the wedding planner, which wasn't it. But she was like, because that's supposed to be J-Lo, right? The peach. And oh. I, was like, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Lordy. So good. Oh my gosh. Um, so tune in on Sunday. If yeah. by chance you are interested, listen to this and you're interested in coming in person to come check it out, we are trying to um, not have the same people each week kind of cycle through and get everybody a chance to do it. Um, so email us and let us know and we'll make that happen. Yep. Uh, other than that, anything else? No, I'm good. Great. Have a great week, guys. Bye. See ya.